This episode of the ArcaSpeak podcast is supported by Twinmotion, the simple, real-time rendering solution to create high-quality imagery, client presentations, and interactive experiences that help communicate your design ideas fast. That first cup of Jeff. <laughs> what was the old Folgers jingle? I love the old TV jingles. I don't watch a lot of TV, so I just don't hear if they even still do jingles like that. The best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup. That's what it is. Yeah. I'm not going to bust that out in tune, though. The best part of waking up. Is Folgers in your cup? Nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, why did I do that? Oh, that's so good. <laughs> Made my day right there. Starting it uh, off right. Just like a cup of Folgers. I visited the um, Museum of the U.S. Army. And one of the things that was and I'm looking at a book right now of um, World War II posters. And, you know, so they had all these like posters all over the place, you know, the propaganda posters and everything Mm -hmm. else. Mm -hmm. And there's this one because it's been turned into a meme of the uh, smiling soldier with the cup of coffee. Uh And I can't remember exactly what the original one is, but you know, the new, you just know the meme version. I, I know the meme versions, which will save the the listening airwaves for. We won't include it. What it is. <laughs> yeah, we won't include what it, what the what it says. But, um, you know, it's just it, it when, you know, you hear those jingles, you see those things that's it always like, you know, strikes these kind of like images or these mental images of. You know, kind of like those those jingle kind of things. And, and when I hear that jingle, I also think of that, you know, smiling soldier with his cup of coffee. Like, <laughs> uh, although I will say that the um, the coffee in the army, much like Folgers, mm, not good. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's the it's the budget version. Well, speaking yeah, of, of visiting budget. places, I, I was out there. When I was out back east, back east, back east, like, tra- traveled back like like it's like it's a previous time, not 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 even a, a location. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> traveled east uh, for a wedding and got to plan an extra special little trip off to the side of the, the wedding. So after the wedding, we're. We, the wedding was a was a very big deal. It was we had to we had to set it up. We had to do the wedding. We had to tear it down. It was very involved. It was very hands on. So the rather, family. yeah, I was going to say so. <laughs> rather than being a, a just an attendant an attendee of the wedding, right? You like pretty much set the whole damn thing up. And yep. I'm surprised they didn't ask you to become be the uh, uh, wedding photographer. Yeah, that, thanks for that. Uh, that. I did that too. And, and, and oh, did you? Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> thought you had some inside information there or something. Maybe I shared that with you previously. But I was the wedding photographer also. But, 
funny enough, no, you didn't share that with me, but <laughs> it only makes sense. That was great, man. Uh, uh, however, you're on a roll however, today. <laughs> however, you guys did miss your opportunity to get me to be the wedding singer. <laughs> yes, I definitely missed that opportunity in air quotes. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was actually so before we get to the, the the side trip uh it was actually really cool it was at a it was at a retreat center in pennsylvania we had the whole place to ourselves. it was like i don't know a hundred acres it was huge wow and we did get to um i did get to get out and hike a little bit there and um it was kind of a pre-hike for for our hike right um yeah. but but it was beautiful just beautiful and the cicada thing is real. Like this is where I really, this is <laughs> yes, where is. I really learned about the cicada thing. Um, it's crazy, right? The seventeen-year cicada cycle, and they were they're just all over the place, and they're not bothering anybody. Um, they weren't like no, swarming no, or anything. They're just they're just singing along, doing yeah. their doing their mating rituals, and uh, to only disappear again. So for another seventeen years. Yeah, really interesting. And to leave all of their little carcass shells and all yeah. that other stuff behind. Yeah. Plenty of evidence that they were actually there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, uh, <laughs> the litter. The, pock, the yeah. pockmarked grounds. Yes. Yeah. That, the holes you know, everywhere where they're coming holes out of. everywhere. Yeah. yeah. It is. Nature is a crazy, crazy beast. <laughs> and, it uh, is. And it's like, what is this for? It's got to be something like, I, I don't understand, yeah. but really interesting. Well, I'll tell you, you know, the, uh, the birds were, you know, happy, uh, happy, I guess, uh, this 17 year cycle, they, um, you know, you come out and like, there was probably more birds that I've seen, heard and everything else. But as, as you know, nothing can stand up to this just very loud like just drowning hum yeah, or like a droning sound. Oh my gosh. I mean, the thing is, is that what's interesting about it is, is that it, it almost sounds, it's hard to explain the sound, but there you, you hear like no squeaky, other squeaky. It's like a squeaky dryer in your, you know, your laundry room that never stops. Yeah. Just constant. Yeah. It only, it only stops like, so, you know, they sleep when the sun goes down, obviously, you know, when the sun comes up there, it's nice and warm. I mean, that's the whole reason for them to coming, you know, like ascending to earth, <laughs> ascending, <laughs> you know, and it's so it's just, it, it's, it's just so, I mean, I've seen cicadas before, sure, but like this now. No, this is this is definitely a new one on me, and it was pretty damned amazing. I think I think a lot of people are in the in your shoes, right? Because they haven't been in that area for seventeen years, so they didn't see the last time right. it happened. So they've never yeah. seen it happen before. So this was very new and very different for a lot of people. Oh my gosh! The and the, the amazing thing about it is is that you know, like all of like the next door app and everything else. I mean, <laughs> just going off. <laughs> oh yeah, there's this one. This this ongoing. It, this this one person i'm sure everybody's got their next door app and you read it and you kind of like roll your eyes at some of like the postings and comments and everything else but and of course you know everybody started posting about the cicadas before because they'd never seen them before and so like the next door app was completely flooded with cicada stuff except for one stood out amongst 
all of the other ones. And it was basically an ongoing daily story of CC the Cicada. And whoever wrote it, they would like dress this little cicada, uh, you know, like Photoshop dress the cicada up, put the cicada like playing bridge. You know what I mean? It was cicadas just. Cicadas old it, school, huh? Oh my gosh. It CC? Yes. CC the cicada was just, it was, you know, it was, it was pretty amazing. Dinner parties, the, the whole thing. I mean, CC had a far better social life than everybody in the area who's still you know lockdown. in some form of like you know lockdown or cicadas aren't or quarantine cicadas don't lock down cicada don't care or, <laughs> or they definitely don't social distance either <laughs> you sent me that one next door post where the guy was like talking about how uh, people oh, needed to clean gosh. up after their cicadas yes yeah <laughs> that was another good one <laughs> uh treating him like you know like you know make sure that you know you keep your cicada on a leash and right it was it was it was too much i mean what's funny is the people it, who who don't get that it's a joke and they oh my gosh they, they're just go they're just playing into it right they they it's like they're helpless against these comedians <laughs> exactly and that and that was the that was the thing is like so many people were getting so bent out of shape about it it's just like what do you mean clean up after it was just like do people really keep pets simmer down there <laughs> like we've all had quite a rough year and i mean that's why they're reacting that way because they've exactly. had quite a rough year yeah <laughs> but but i thought i thought that like the punctuation of this cicada i wonder if if like you know the biblical locusts were really just a cicada brood coming out mm. you know, just you know because you know it's like we hadn't seen this forever Okay, maybe 17 years forever. Maybe but, 17 years, you know, right. You know, exactly. And, but, you know, it's just, it's, it was so, it was such an, a punctuation to, I, I don't want to say the end because there really isn't an end right now. There's just the, the, you know, like finally now that people are getting um, vaccinated and stuff that it's just kind of like, maybe it's like, okay, the cicadas have come, the vaccine has come let all of that stuff go away and maybe we can start to return to normalcy. <laughs> well, coming from the West coast where there are Southern West coast, where there are very few insects, it was quite a wake up call, quite a surprise Yeah, because yeah. they're everywhere. Like the tree, there were some trees that literally looked like the bark was alive. There were so many cicadas on them. Isn't that amazing? It is. It is amazing. Okay. So let me ask you this. Let's go ahead and segue into the the side trip. Okay. How, like, how many cicadas were at your side trip? I didn't see any. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it was, well, I mean, it would have added to it, I'm sure. But it, it was nice. It didn't leave any of the, the cicada litter behind. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just don't think they had gotten there yet. Or they, they hadn't, the wave hadn't hit, hit there yet. So I'm sure it was coming. But yeah, there weren't, there weren't any. Yeah, so, so we finished up the wedding thing we had to pack everything like so so we set up the whole wedding we i did get to use some design skills to design what the the setting looked like nice. um which they were very open to and very appreciative of and uh we took it all back down and and on so i guess it was uh monday it was like yeah it was after the wedding because the wedding was on a sunday <clears throat> we drove an additional three hours away from you know where we flew into to get and and it was cool because we went up through I'm trying to remember the name of this this town but there's like this river rafting town you know the name of it what is it called i 
two it's like and Ojai clearly something. Know. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That, anyway, uh, it was it was pretty cool to kind of. I mean, that's one of the things about driving on the East Coast is how green it is. It very much reminded no. me of driving in the Pacific Northwest, where it's just like the the freeways even look good because they're lined with green. And I know it's not always like that on the East Coast because in the winter, there most of the trees there are deciduous. But uh, man, just amazing driving. Like so, we drove, we drove, we drove, we drove three hours. Um, additionally kind of west and it was just gorgeous gorgeous driving it was amazing yeah and i was getting for the first time in a long time i was driving a manual and it was that was so fun too (laughs) it's just been a while (laughs) yeah yeah so uh my my daughter-in-law's car is a manual and that was really cool um so just driving the the windy roads you know like once you get off the freeway the the roads kind of go through all the hills and gorgeous gorgeous drive and we're just kind of running up against the clock because i had an appointment to go to this place and uh i'm I'm calling them i'm like we're gonna be late we're gonna be late and we were actually in two cars to get there because we had a group going and the people were very understanding and they're just like yeah don't worry just just check in when you get here because i was i didn't know what the situation was like we, you show up right i'm sure you have to park i'm sure you have to walk some distance to get to the thing and they were like, yep, you got to do all that. So don't worry about it. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it wasn't far or anything. It was a lot shorter than I thought it was going to be. So we, we got there, no problem. And um, it was just the, I guess I should at this point say what it is, but we, Wait. okay. So we, so we walked into like the, the first area where you, where you join up to, you know, you go to the ticket booth, the, the visitor center, the visitor and- center. The gift shop and and i find out at that point like i don't have cell service so i can't contact my my wife who's in another car to find out like where they are they were definitely behind us and uh and at some point i realized like there's no way we're making this tour because i ended up getting there like only about five minutes late and they were like 20 minutes late oh (laughs) yeah so (laughs) there were more stops on their on their trip than there were on mine and so, uh, so we were just kind of waiting around, and I couldn't tell when they were coming. And I finally see them like coming down the the walkway, and I I look at the guy, and I give him like the nod, like that's them. And he's like, "Yep, I knew it was them." <laughs> and because uh, they're and, the last people here, <laughs> so it was really cool. They totally accommodated us and like gave us awesome. our own tour with just the five of us. So uh, see that was you know, uh, it was like it worked out, man. Like I thought, I thought, oh, we're screwed. Like all that money you, just went you're down probably the drain. Only just like yeah, I was gonna say, you're probably like really anxious. You're like, oh my god, totally. I was stressed. You know, we're gonna lose out and all this other stuff. And and let's be honest, this is an architectural bucket list. It is tour, and you're just like, ah, oh, you know, I came all this way, and I'm not even gonna get a chance to see it. Totally. <laughs> However, <laughs> that's totally because the day was ending too. I, th- I just thought we we're like running up against their their stop time. So yeah, so. Exactly. So that was that was really cool, and it was a cool surprise. They didn't tell us they were going to do that; they just did it, and uh, That's that, that awesome. was awesome. Yeah, so super thumbs up for for the tour people running this operation. And so the tour people at this operation are to be found where? Yeah, so so super exciting for me. Uh, how many years have I been out of school now? Over twenty five years. <laughs> <laughs> About uh, well, no almost 25 years, one more year, 25 years. 
25 years out of school, this is the thing that you learn about in architectural history and modernism and all these things that finally, finally made it there, finally made it happen, you know, driving an extra six hours plus to do this. Three hours out and three hours back to our, our fly-in location to the East Coast. And it's Falling Water by Frank Lloyd Wright. Yeah. And man, yeah. I mean, really? I know you've been there a couple times and we tried yeah. to make yeah. it happen where we could all be there together, but... Uh, yeah, I missed out on the opportunity to buy tickets at the same time. You know, maybe I would have been able to look into your awesome one, but yeah, it's it's good that you were able to drive out there because it is. Well, tell me it was, and it was a thing where it's like I I was going to go before. Like I've been back to Pennsylvania a couple times. Back, <laughs> keep it's back. Just so you know, yeah. um, but we. My wife was just like, don't you dare go without me. Because <laughs> <laughs> I have done some East Coast trips without her. And she's like, so that what this time when it came around and I'm like, well, it's your sister getting married. Like, let's go. Let's go do this for us. You know, and she's like, absolutely. Let's do it. So Perfect. it was it was it was awesome. And man, it didn't disappoint. I have to I'll just start there. It was it's just, you, you know say what you will about Frank Lloyd Wright, the person, but the outcome of yes. his, you know, I'll just say architectural genius is, and and not only him, but the builders who made this thing, right? Because mm-hmm. I can only yeah, imagine yeah. what the drawing set looked like. Like it probably wasn't, <laughs> probably was very thin. And yeah. it was, it, like you are transcended when you go to that place by just how awesome it actually is. And and it's it's like structures shouldn't do this. Right, right. But they can't do this. I don't see structures doing this. How is this one doing it? And I know it takes a lot of money, <laughs> first of all, yeah. to build something like that. And I know it takes a lot of money to keep it going. So I'm not – I don't want to get into all that stuff. I, I also don't want to deny that stuff, right? Like it, it's an right, amazing right. amount of upkeep. It's an amazing amount of maintenance. Like no owner should probably want to go through that or have to go through that. <laughs> Obviously the owners of this place were loaded and they wanted this thing and they made it happen. But, you know, going through it and listening to the story of the siting of the building and you know where the the Kaufman's thought it was going to be versus where right, where right. where Wright put it and then just kind of how it how it turned out over time and how much you know quote unquote over budget it was and it in in today's dollars it was like you know originally i think the house was supposed to cost $35,000 or something like that and it ended up right. being $150,000 which is in today's money i think he said was like 3 or 3 and a half million dollars for a house that is obviously like architectural icon, but but I start to think about it from a point of view is when they were building it, did they know? Did they have any idea the legacy that this one house would leave on this one property, you know, owned by this one owner who made it happen, right? And and passed it down to the next generation who was also very involved in it as well, right? So the it's just and and it's so interesting, right? It's like the owner of a department store and commissions right, right? And and then commissions one of his 
you know, I, I don't want to call Neutra one of his colleagues, but because <laughs> I don't think they they ever I don't think either one of them would would agree to that. But, you know, commission Neutra to do it out here in Palm Springs again. Right. Right. And right. go through that process. I'm sure it was a very different process, but to go through the architectural process again and build another landmark house. Right. So let me let me ask you this now. I love Neutra's Kaufman house. Right. Which, and, I, I, which is another one I've never been to. So I really can't comment on it other than the photos I've seen. Exactly. I mean, it's it's purely just me seeing that in in photographs. But, you know, Neutra's, you know, one of my favorites. He's got kind of a an interesting, you know, mid-century, you know, modern aesthetic that isn't really replicated. I mean, there's 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 some that are, you know, that are close. But, you know, there's just something about like his stuff that is, stands out. And, yeah, you know, yeah, like the uh, closest thing that I've been in that that is similar in there's some Cliff May stuff here in Claremont. There are some Neutras here in Claremont. A friend of mine, like a extended family friend of mine, has a Neutra house that I've gotten mm-hmm. to stay in. Wow. Um, and you. and I would say it's like it's like Cliff May or or Craig Elwood. Or, you know, those are those are the other kind of people who are able to get to kind of that pure. And maybe not even Cliff May, because his stuff was like more ranch style houses and stuff. But but Elwood got to a point where his his work was that simple and that elegant. But it's still yeah. he doesn't have the recognition that Neutra did for sure. Right. You know, and interestingly enough, there's there's three or or was three Neutra buildings in my area. Uh one was the Cyclorama at Gettysburg, which mm-hmm. rest in peace is gone sadly right which uh i went there to pay homage um before it was demolished and then uh (laughs) you paid your it's like your own personal building funeral i i I hugged it i hugged it i loved the building i I absolutely loved that building i went there when it was still in operation i went there you know when it just and, and why you watched it like slowly just degrade because they basically abandoned it which was weird and sad because the the interesting thing about the sighting of that one, and I'm and sorry about the tangent here, but was just the fact that here's this building that was designed specifically to kind of almost be a perch to kind of like survey all of the Gettysburg battlefield. And it was um, just an amazing building, and I I definitely felt like it fit the bill. And it just was you know, just kind of really amazing and sad to like watch it just basically kind of like, you know, slowly wither away and then to demolish but i get it they wanted to restore the uh, battlefield back to its original intent even though it still has a parking lot on it you know, whatever and then there's a house <laughs> that's okay. actually yeah because there's actually a, a house that is in dc that neutra did for the and, and, I, and i love the the history behind that one but it was so as i am pay was doing the design for the National Gallery of Art East Wing, the the director wanted a house and decided that, you know, and at the time, you know, Paige doesn't do houses. And he was like, well, you know, I've got a friend who basically, you know, does all these, you know, amazing houses and stuff. And so basically flew him out and hooked them up together and he had designed a house for him. And so that's a, a very rare East Coast Neutra house. And then Neutra also did a little little building on a college campus in Annapolis. Mm. Uh, not the, uh, 
the navel. But I mean, it, it's just I think I did I take it to you take you to that. If you did, um, I don't remember. Okay, then I guess <laughs> story not. of my life I've, right I've, now. <laughs> I've, I've honestly taken you know a bunch uh, noitrous, and, and it, it's basically it's a um, I guess a observatory planetarium. He's done one out it's here this, too at Southwest College, not Southwest College, Orange County College, OCC. Yeah, so yeah, probably he did the probably whole campus. very similar, where it was like this, you know, this little round building sitting in kind of like this big square pool of water, which of mm. course they've drained the pool of water because it's dangerous now or it's, it's, you know, hard maintenance and stuff. But I think I would have loved to have seen it in its heyday mm. when it was done because it's, it's just a, it's very simple, but really amazing building. This episode of the Arcuspeak podcast is made possible by twin motion. What if you could visualize your building in a couple of clicks, remove months from the design process, or create a bridge between stakeholders to solve problems before they even come up. Our friends at Twinmotion offer simple, real-time visualization for architects. Their technology lets you view and edit your scene on the go in the same pixel-perfect quality as the final rendering. Twinmotion seamlessly integrates with other tools like SketchUp and Revit, transforming your BIM or CAD models into high-quality images, panoramas, VR videos, or presentations. Sound complicated? Well, what if I told you that Twinmotion enables anyone to present the biggest ideas in the easiest way possible, regardless of previous CG experience? To download your exclusive free trial, head to twinmotion.link slash Arcuspeak. That's twinmotion.link, not .com, slash Arcuspeak. You know, I totally sidetracked this whole conversation on, <laughs> on a Neutra Cut thing, all this but, out. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who wants to talk about architecture on an architecture podcast? Right, right, right. Turn you back to cicadas, please. <laughs> exactly. So, so Cece went went with you to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I'll just I'll just start with the tour now, like, because we, you know, we got hooked up with this tour guide. He was a young guy. Um, I don't know. I mean, he had, he had great stories to tell. I don't. It wasn't really in depth. Um, and I I just wanted to listen. Like, obviously, we're wearing face masks the whole time, and. It was very much still a, um, I mean, we, we, we felt, yeah, exactly. So, so we did have like these little earpieces in that just made it easy for us to hear what he was saying, which I thought was a nice uh, touch. Yeah. So we all wore these little, like little radio receivers that, that put it, pumped him into our ears so we could be, you know, 30 feet apart or whatever, however far apart we ended up being in the different locations and still hear him fine, which was, which was a cool touch. And so we walk in to a very short kind of trail, you know, down this kind of driveway looking thing and down into this large meadow, like a grass, you know, open area that had some picnic tables in it. So it seemed oh, like yeah. it was kind of set up for people just to go be on the grounds. You know, obviously it didn't even seem like you needed a ticket to get to a lot of the exterior stuff. You could just walk around the place, which I wasn't aware of, um, you know, coming from here and not knowing anything about it. I thought, okay, you got to have tickets to to do anything there, right? To even park in the lot, and and you kind of do, right? You got to go through a, a a visitor gate to get in and park and all that stuff. But then once you're on the right. grounds, you're kind of on the grounds, and you there were a lot of people walking around the house trying to get into it, <laughs> like like grabbing the doorknobs and shaking the doors. And I just think like, you know, the the tour guides just kind of ignore those people. Um, yeah, but it does seem like there's a lot of people just kind of wandering around doing whatever they want and they're cool with that. Um, and I'm sure like now it's probably, there are probably a lot less people there than there normally are. 
um, just because a lot of people weren't comfortable with going out and doing this kind of thing yet. But there was still, I was, I was surprised how many people there were and how many people were grabbing doorknobs trying to get into the, the Kaufman house. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Uninvited, right? Or without a ticket. It's pretty interesting to, to just witness that. So, so we walked through this kind of open area, picnic area, and come down to basically like the bridge that crosses the yeah. stream that gets you to the house. And what's interesting to me is, I mean, and the tour guide pointed this out right away, was, was the, the iconic view of the house from downstream is never seen during the approach to the house. No, no, not at all. And it's, so it's very much like an add-on bonus view, <laughs> right? It's like, yeah. There's this thing where you step away from the building and look back upon it. But as you would just normally would approach the house, either by car or by foot, if you got like dropped off on the way because it, maybe it's a shortcut to go across this bridge and, and enter the house through the front door, it's very much, it's a very different experience than what you're it, presented as an architecture student or any public person who sees the iconic vision of the house for the first time. Right, exactly. It's interesting because you approach it, essentially what you feel like is the back door, because we've always been presented this iconic kind of like the trees parting and the, Mm -hmm. you know, the river kind of crashing below it and everything else. And you assume that that's like the front of the house. Right. That's actually the back of the house. It is. Yeah. And it's very much like once you're in the house, there's not, there's not even a way to, there, it isn't even an exit out to go down to that. It's, it's still like yeah. an, a, yeah. a roundabout exactly. trail to get there. So, uh, yeah, I just thought that was kind of interesting because you, you're, you're not presented that view until the very end of the tour, right? Because you go, you just go up and you go through the front door and the front door is very much the opposite side of the house from that iconic view. That's where the driveway is. Um, that's where the guest house is. I don't that, you know, it's like yeah. all the, all the business happens on the other side of that image, <laughs> which is cool. I mean, that, that's very much like a, that's totally an architectural thing to do, right? It's like, it's like there are, there's different veils from within inside this overall project. And the very public presented one is actually the most private. I was going to say exactly inaccessible yeah. side of the house. Like that is a, like the moment that has been shared with the world, that, that view that's been shared with the world is a purely private view. It's very personal. It is, it is, it is a view that the only time you ever get to see it, you know, when the Kaufmans were living there were when the Kaufmans would take you down that path, walk you around and basically position you at that rock Mm -hmm. looking back at it. Yeah. I mean. Other than that, there's, there's, there's no, you would never know how to get that view right? unless you are curated by the owner to have that view. Yeah. Yeah. Super interesting. So when you go through the front door, you know, typical right project, low, tight, you know, width and height entry into that, that then like snakes through a little hall and then, you know, opens up like exactly boom it's huge it just feels it's not even huge it just feels huge because there's so much light coming in it goes from dark and compressed to open and light feeling and we were we were there during the day it was a it was a perfect day it had been raining the entire week before that and we got there and it was just totally perfect 
it was it was just we were the only ones in this house. It was amazing. And, and just like the little touches, really uh, cool. uh, you know, because they were they were hikers and there was trails around the house. Right. And and there's like a, a foot wash station at the front door. Right. Like this is very much <laughs> yeah. like a like th- this house has a purpose and and it serves the purpose of the people living in it. Right. So it's like, yeah, there's custom stuff. There's custom stuff all over the place. Right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes. Yeah. But it was cool. Like there's there's like a soap on a rope and a, and a foot wash station that is like a fountain at the front door (laughs) yeah and it was so cool like just the little touches like that i love like those little types of architectural touches that are so perfect and so custom for that place i'm sure you you wouldn't find that in in any other of his buildings maybe you do but it's like it's so custom to the kaufmans in that location so you're talking about like the experience of going to falling water and kind of like, you know, looking at it in kind of like the, you know, the kind of a typical architectural experience, yeah, totally. like, you know, <laughs> but, but, but then, but then, you know, think about another layer of this. And this was something that I'd noticed early on in some of the works that I'd visited of Frank Lloyd Wright's. And I don't know if it was a unintended or intended, but it is definitely very apparent in a lot of his work. And that's this acoustic experience. And I know that sounds kind of weird, but there are opportunities within within the building and without the building, you know, with outside of the building. Right. Without the building. Yeah. Take the building out, you know, chuck it. It doesn't it's it's pointless. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so outside the building, you know, there's this you, you're talking about the approach and you're you know, you're kind of going walking through this like meadow um, where people can win can picnic and things like that. And, you know, you see this very almost kind of like pastoral kind of scene. It's, you know, it's it's kind of, it feels kind of quiet. And as you start to get, you know, closer and closer to the house, the dynamics of the acoustics change because now you've got, you know, first you hear the river itself and you hear the falls and, you know, you're connected with that. But then you start to get closer to the building and then you start to hear how the falls interact with you know, the building itself and how it kind of like reverberates and bounces and and everything else. And then what's interesting about it, because, you know, you've got this little raging, you know, waterfall immediately below the building. And once you go inside, then you're completely shut off from it again. Mm -hmm. You're visually connected to it, but now you're acoustically separated from it. Mm -hmm. But, But then there's these amazing like ways that you just can open up and transform the building. Yes. Um, that then starts to kind of like capture that sound again and then just filter it through the house. And and depending on where you're at within the house, you know, the sound is either like really loud or it's just, you know, like almost like a, you know, wave machine where it's just, you know, like simple and light and you just, ooh, I can go to sleep to this kind totally, of thing. Totally. Yes. And it's, it's just amazing that, you know, and I don't know if he really thought about that. I mean, you, you hope that his genius air quotes there um was no i'm sorry let me take those air quotes away because it is genius was he probably took that into account but if he didn't you know bravo to him to like luck into just this amazing kind of like acoustically architectural experience Mm -hmm. as well as a you know this you know amazingly visually stunning architectural experience yeah yeah and i think what's also interesting about the project from a first time visit kind of experience you you get to see how tied into the the site it is and how yeah. integrated that's probably a better way to say it 
into the site. Obviously, that's a huge part of this project is how integrated it is into the the rock and you know mm-hmm. hovering yeah. over the waterfall. And the house goes from very you know from solid ground. You go out onto the terraces and it just floats at that point. And it's it's really interesting from a you know just a design standpoint of what the risk that they were taking at that point to do that and to make that all happen is yeah. it's very yeah. much based in experience of the occupants right whereas nowadays houses you know the the commodity that houses are is very risk avoidant to anything like that and it will dance around that stuff and it's like give me flat give me the flattest site you can find and right right and and this one was very much the opposite of all that and it was like let's see how far we can push this even to the point where you're when you approach the house and you you see kind of this trellis like structure that ties into the rock um for where the cars kind of enter the site to you know get to the entry Right. This is like a very remote location. <clears throat> Even as you approach the house and you're driving in, you get this experience and you get to see, you get to see how the how integrated the house is into the site. And and I even that like approaching that just on foot because obviously we didn't drive into the driveway or anything. And the way that the the trellis kind of snakes around, you know, creates openings for trees to go through and and again further integrate not just like hard thing to hard thing but also kind of allows these soft things to go through it and integrate in the void of of space it's a terrible way to explain it but you know what i mean like like the way the no, trees no. kind of weave through this yeah. trellis and and it's just it's, it's amazing it really is like it's it's just next level and and i and i'm not i'm not trying to just to be clear like i'm not trying to put the man on a pedestal because but the outcome of the architecture is undeniably cool. It's undeniably oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. amazing and brilliant. And again, so, like I don't think that was all him. Yeah. It's this incredible team of people who made this thing happen, including the owner, including the contractors, including the laborers who didn't have any work, you know, to build this house and how many people it took and the hands that worked on it and took the care that was needed. Like this contractor had never built a house like this before. Right. So really interesting to kind of see how all that played out and became this legacy that is now attributed to one person falsely. Right. right? But still, like it is just an amazing experience for experience sake. So, yeah, I just wanted to put that in there because I think like even the even as you're approaching this place, it's it's amazing. And then you go inside and I will say, like, I took my my nice camera and the guy was very nice way to say like we're not going to wait for people to take pictures right <laughs> like we got to keep the tour moving well what's amazing about that is that they apparently let you do that when the last time i was there they did not allow you to take pictures oh nice and and so you know i mean did i of course i did you know, I mean, <laughs> of course. any any building that tells me that i can't take pictures at you figure out a way <laughs> <laughs> Well, and uh, and the uh, reason I say this, and I think it, it's something that you've done too, is like my regular camera could not handle no. it. It couldn't yeah. handle it, like because and and the, what I mean by that is like the the dynamic range is so yes. crazy yeah. in this house, right? Like outside it is bright and sunny, inside it is dark and tight. Like you know, you know, oh, yeah. there's this yeah. whole extreme, and a normal sensor on a normal digital camera just can't do it. So you know what camera works is is the iPhone because 
yeah. the the HDR, the incredible computational aspect of this the camera itself is mm-hmm. it actually handles it and like the photos yeah. that came out of of my phone are above and beyond better than uh, what a normal camera can do because yeah. you can't bring a tripod in you can't right. shoot multiple exposures and then combine them later handheld it's just not going to work and right, right and so like it's incredible. I just want to throw that in there. Like, if you're going to go visit a place like this, just take your phone because it's going to do a better job if you really yeah, want to snap yeah. pictures. And honestly, like every one of these pictures has already been taken, and you can just download them online <laughs> if you want, and they're probably better. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> they're not yours. Um, yeah, exactly. We, you know, one of the interesting things that you know, like you know, as you were talking about how like everything's so weaved together. I mean, you know, so many times we learn that you know you really can't tame nature. Mm-hmm. But damn, did he come close? <laughs> yeah. You know? Well, I'm sure it's doing a number on this place, right? Normal all, all oh. throughout the year. But but yeah, yeah. I well, mean, it, but, it is a. But testament. funny enough, nature's you know nature keeps striking back because you <laughs> right. know it's flooded on numerous occasions. They've had to basically completely replace the the structure of the cantilevers on you know numerous occasions, and, and as you said earlier, you know the the maintenance, the upkeep, and just the pre- the ongoing preservation of this is the the cost has got to be astronomical yeah but yeah but oh my god is it so worth it well and you don't like many projects you don't exit through the gift shop on this project but you no, do exit through a sales pitch of joining the foundation to donate yeah, <laughs> yeah. for sure they they Which, need your help yeah clearly they they need your help and right. and it's and it's amazing though but so when you so when you walk in, you know, and you like go through this and it in, you know, what's amazing about it is, is so like I've been into, you know, several of the, you know, of Frank Lloyd Wright houses and, and more so the Usonian houses, because that's what I have access to on the East Coast. Back East. Yeah. Back East for you, <laughs> East Coast for me or home for me um, is, uh, you know, is this this notion that he carried throughout of like this, this almost. I don't want to call it ceremonial kind of like, you know, entry to come into the entrance and it's a very dark kind of compressed space. And then, you know, there's this, if you go off towards the bedrooms, you know, everything is kind of still kind of like calm, quiet, darker. But then when you go to like the living in public space, it's, you know, this aha kind of moment, it like opens up and it just, you know, it showers you with like very, you know, purposeful light. And, and, and it's, and that's the case with every, you know, like every one of the buildings that I've been to with his, and even if you think about it, like the entrance into the Guggenheim museum is a very short, you know, entrance. I mean, yes. there's like a wall right in front of you as you go through this glass door and, and yeah, you can kind of like peek off to the right as you go into the Guggenheim and, and see, you know, this, you know that this moment's there, you know, because you've seen it in the books and stuff. But if you have never been there, you know, once you get there, it's that that aha moment. It's like, yeah, ah, you know, yeah, kind of thing. Right. And showered and in light. Yeah, exactly. And and <laughs> and so, like, when you get there and, and you see this, it's just amazing because all of the windows are completely, you know, just they're at such a low height. So they're not, you know, like, you know, like the the sills of the windows are at such a low height all of the furniture is kept low you know it's it's purposeful because it's 
you know, once you turn that corner and you open into that public space, it's framing out all of these just amazing, luscious views of nature. And so even though now you're separate from nature, you're still visually, you know, connected to nature. And, yeah. you know, and, and that is one of the things that I felt like was so successful and so amazing about falling water when you were doing that is because there is there's a perceived separation. But then there's also a perceived, you know, integration. Yes. Which yeah. is just completely amazing. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I hadn't really thought about before this, in, and I've been to the Guggenheim as well, and it was very much like what you just described. These tight, you know, compressed spaces that he designed are not just designed to give you that contrast of small to big or, or close to open, but also design that way to get you through them quickly. Yeah. Like you yeah. don't want to hang out there. You it's no, dark, no. it's solid. Exactly. And it's like this, this nothing to see here, move along. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, very okay. much in, in service to aspects of the house, right? It's, it yeah. is strictly for circulation and getting through them you don't want to stay in them. And I think that that is another pretty interesting way to, to that a tool that he uses to get you to the places that you should be inside, right. the, inside right. the, the structure. Yeah. So, you so know, when you go into this big space in the way that it opens up and like you're saying, all the furniture is low, it doesn't get in the way of the view and it encourages you to hang out in there and, oh gosh, and relax yeah. and lounge and entertain and like, live right like really live right. inside right. these spaces exactly. but also feel very connected to place in the bigger scheme which is here in this amazing outdoor setting and what's interesting yes. is you really still don't have any idea about the water part of falling water in no. when you're in the living room right until you kind of right. go out and turn a corner and then you see the staircase going down directly mm -hmm. to the water Exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah, really interesting because it's like it's like there are surprises to be had for guests that show up to this, you know, throughout throughout the stay, right? It's not just like all is revealed upon first glance. It's not like that at all. It's very kind of processional in that way. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, it's like um you know, it, it's so like you know, there is no need for a TV. No, no. There is. I would ruin There it. is no need for exactly, you yeah. know. I mean. And this is know, a sure getaway. This a, is a retreat it, for them, right? Like what, Exactly. Yeah. And everything that was designed deliberately for that retreat, you know, these terraces and the, you know, that, that basically strike different views um, and create different things. And think about this. So, you know, if you step back and you go back outside and you're looking back at, at the house if you look at those terraces, in a way, to me, they seem really heavy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're thick. When you're right, because because you scenes. know, because like the the you know the the guardrail handrail, you know, they're it's just this big massive wall, and it feels really heavy. But then when you go out onto the actual thing, it feels so light and almost unsafe, you know, because it's because it doesn't they're feel yeah. as exactly it doesn't feel as intrusive as it does kind of like on the outside. Mm -hmm. And that was purely intentional because like they're no higher than the sills inside. So like if you're sitting down, 
they're not intended to be up high where you know it, it's covering your view it, it's intended to be almost they disappear when you're sitting down in the house and that you turn your head and you look over and you see just this the open expanse landscape and you don't see the terrace yeah i think in modern days those those would be glass most likely yeah any other architect yeah. did it but here they're just part of this kind of band of slab you know that's like a it's a lot right. thicker than a floor plate but what's interesting is because the house is in such a wooded place there is no horizon to be seen right so if this house was on the beach like you wouldn't do guardrails like that you wouldn't do they look like parapets right you you wouldn't have solid handrails like walls right but exactly. here it doesn't matter. Like there's no, there's no horizon line. You, there's and I, you look out and the canopy covers everything, and so you're just looking out to the forest, and it and you're not missing anything, I guess by by these. And I'm and and so it it gives you the feeling of spatial enclosure, like like these are outdoor spaces. They're not just outdoor viewing platforms. Does that does that make sense? I, oh, I yeah, feel yeah. like that it was the intention there. It was like, this is an outdoor space that's your space in this bigger natural setting, but it's, it still feels very much like space. And the handrail, guardrail, whatever you want to call that pony wall, is very mm-hmm. much like part of the floor slab, 100%. Right, it's right. even like the same color, right? So it very much yeah. feels like, like that's the language, like bands yeah. of glass, bands of solid. Yes. And and I don't think it can't. It shouldn't be glass handrails. It should be exactly what they are, um, you know. And it's also leaving a seat wall, you know. So, I, I mean, they're so solid, and you know, it's like rounded on the top of them and stuff like that. That yes, you know, if you're looking at modern building codes and stuff like that, you could get away with it. But at the time, it was just you know, yes, this is exactly what I want. I want to you know be able to like have my guests over my family or whoever just hang out be able to sit along the, that wall and stuff and lean know, up against it right <clears throat> you know exactly yeah yeah totally and uh, I, what i like about just, that was when you go out onto the the kind of main terrace off the living space and you can then look back on the house and you can see the vertical nature of the house at that point you can see the vertical oh, kind yeah. of spine oh gosh, yes, that the exactly. kitchen because when you're approaching it you don't does see it that feel tall and in vertical like no. you see in the you know the the famous view right no it kind of it's it's planar it's flat it's kind of stacked yeah. you know yeah. it just stacks and like r- rises up and 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 even like with the view of like the guest house behind it it actually it it feels completely different it feels huge from, it feels huge exactly. with all that it does <laughs> but it's it not does because and it, and it isn't because you know you're seeing all of the layers together right. when you're approaching it from like the the, the car side right or the front side or back side, whichever way you want to call it. (laughs) It, it feels so big. Mm -hmm. You're right. And Mm -hmm. and you're seeing all of the stacked layers, just boom, all there together. Mm -hmm. And when you're, when you're seeing the, the, the famous shot, it is a purely curated view that kind of like washes everything out except for just that perfect view. Yeah, it's like I mean, that it really perfectly is eroded perfect corner. View. Yeah, yeah, totally. Exactly. Yeah, so exactly. when you're on this terrace and you can kind of see how it all is interlocked together to create the kind of magnificent structure that it actually is to make it all work is a pretty revealing time. It's 
it's really interesting. And and then at that point, it is obscuring the guest house beyond, and it doesn't right. feel huge anymore. Um, right. Because you're kind of looking directly at this vertical spine, and it is. I mean, it's not a small house. I'm not. I don't want to say that, no, but it. No, but at the same time, well, you know, it's like four stories basically. Like you can go down to the water. There's like the water level. Then there's the main terrace level, and then there's two floors above that, which we didn't get to go into. So. Oh, you didn't? Oh, no, because I, well, at least the reasoning that they said was like the, the, the circulation is so tight. It is. It that, is. that they can't properly distance people. And, and I'm sure the spaces are quite a bit smaller up there as well. So, so they, they are, um, although it is pretty amazing. I mean, there's this, this awesome little library up there and then some of the bed, the bedrooms and stuff. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, really kind of made me take notice of the acoustic properties of that was when we were standing in one of the bedrooms and I was talking and and it happened to be when, you know, my taller son was in there and, you know, like he's like really close to the ceiling in this and we're, we're talking and you could feel it was almost like your sound, honestly, in a way, it's almost like how the sound is right now with me. I can hear my voice, but I have headphones on and I'm, you know, talking into the microphone and it feels almost deadened. Mm-hmm. And then you take a step past like this, you know, this this one beam that comes across and you have a lower ceiling over the bed. And then once you get past that beam, the the ceiling kind of pops up a little bit to kind of like go into the ribbon of windows and. You know, so like if you're laying in bed, it kind of just looks like there's just windows and no, you know, other structure. Mm -hmm. And so as you get closer to the windows, the sound kind of like becomes more vibrant and more, you know, active. And it's just like. Did this guy really know that he was doing this or is this just a I mean, he can't, you know, first of all. First of all, I don't think he could because he wasn't that tall. And so he wasn't that close to the ceilings. Um, but it was just like, you know, like, holy crap. I mean, this is this is actually pretty interesting because there's just this weird, interesting dynamic. I would love to like, you know, like have music playing in that room and just like move the speakers around and just see how it changes between the thing. But it's probably more of know, a bug than a feature, but it, 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 it is it interesting probably, nonetheless. It, it pro- probably. <laughs> I but, you know, the, the thing is, is that like almost every building that I've been to of his has this weird acoustical sound because most likely it's 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 due to the fact that, you know, he doesn't have like just straight planes. And if there's the straight planes, they're straight planes that have got multiple changes in elevation and stuff. So the sound carries much different throughout each of like the little sections. And of it's all room. hard surfaces and stuff. Yeah, And it's all hard surfaces. But, you know, what I was I guess where I was going with that before I went off on my little acoustic tangent again Mm -hmm. um was the fact that as big as the house is it never feels like it's a big house yeah right it always feels like a small comfortable home um you know the, the living room it's a big living room but it doesn't feel like it's a big living room right because you've got all of these layers of things that are upon it you know it's kind of like it's you, a bunch of spaces that are all kind of one big space but it's still well defined as smaller oh, spaces yeah. that are touching yeah. each other yeah without anything in between them so dining right uh terrace yeah. living family yeah entertaining big rock with fireplace oh. and yeah i mean we awesome can't we can't metal. can't even talk about the rest of the house without talking about this <laughs> The heart of the home, right? The fireplace. The hearth. 
it's just amazing. Like the way that it is like that is the center of the house. It's it it is the focal point and it's built around and integrated into the rock of the site. And it's just like I could hang out I, I could hang out there <laughs> for a Forever. very long time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, and the way that you know, he designed the, this giant cast iron kettle that kind of has this armature that allows it to be swung into the fire so that it can be heated. And the, the tools to grab it are built into <laughs> the armature. And I, yeah. and I guess it because it was cast iron, it's actually not a good kettle to use for water. But it still was this really cool idea <laughs> and, and totally yeah. custom, kind of like the, the foot bath at the front door. Yeah. It's just like this little architectural, not really little, it's... It's yeah, just to say that thing's massive. It's this architectural detail that is so interesting and it's so custom and so to that place, you know. Really wonderful. Really wonderful. And obviously it's his favorite color, which I forget what they called it. Was it like Cherokee Red? Cherokee Red. Yeah, I was trying to think of which tribe it was, but <laughs> yeah. But yeah. It, Cherokee Red. It is a it is a Yeah. It's it's amazing too. I mean, it's this, you know, beautiful kind of like burnt orangey reddish color it's it's beautiful but i mean that that kettle i mean it's it's like a little baby bathtub it's yeah it is it's 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 this huge spherical kettle yeah yeah it's massive and you just and you think about it it's like how the hell did they make this i'm Mm -hmm. I'm wondering you know it's just like how much was that exactly and one how much much was that (laughs) who made it and did he get his idea from maybe like you know the old aquatic mines (laughs) It's so cool. Or did you say so cool? It's it is, and, and then you're you're right. I mean, you know, you look at that one and it's amazing. But the artistry is really in the armature and the the tools that are integrated into that one. And I hadn't even really thought about that before, you know, other than when I was there. But I mean, you know, um, of course, the tool man would would like totally pick up on all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the guy, the the tour guide is like, any idea what those are? I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> I know yeah. exactly what those are. And <laughs> and and in in what's funny though is if you think about it, the way that, um, I guess American living has evolved from when that house was made, because now we have a focal point around like the kitchen in this open floor plan and things like that, and mm-hmm. a a kitchen is you know like. I don't know how, how many homes I've been into where, you know, like as you walk in through the front door, the living room is kind of eh, but then you've, you know, you're like almost like right in the kitchen. The kitchen is the heart and, of our home. For and sure. the kitchen yeah. is the heart of the home. Yeah. And if you think about that kitchen, it was so understated and it was off to the side. You almost oh, it's very service. Yeah. If you didn't walk into that little small door, which funny enough is located right where that beautiful long tall three-story uh corner window was right and you know and so what because it's interesting because like that little like glass column is you know kind of focused around some of the services yes yeah so i think it it gives those spaces importance too while still you know kind of hiding them away i mean that's very much a outcome i think of the way the kaufmans lived as well right it was very much like like they had people there to serve them who were, yeah. there's a whole story about that too. And it sounds like yeah. it was, like yeah. they were well paid and they were like part of the family, but they were there, you know, they, they worked for the Kaufmans, but they didn't miss out either. Right. No, no. I, architecturally, I should say. 
Oh no, no. Clarifying. I mean, you know, every it was there was a there's an interesting sense of democracy to all of the different spaces. You know, I mean, everything. You know, there was no like, even though it was downplay, even though the kitchen was downplayed. I mean, hell, I'd kill for that kitchen. I mean, yeah. it was still a you know, right. sure it was it was more of a galley kitchen. Oh, it's practical. It's totally yeah, practical. It's yeah, totally practical. But I mean, and you didn't get a chance to go to um, uh, Kentuck Knob, did you? No, you didn't. we drove yeah. there after, and it was closed already. So okay, ah, uh, okay. But so if you were to go into that house, which is not too far from the the Falling Water Kaufman House, you've got this like interestingly round, spiraling kind of like effect going on of the floor plan and stuff, and the kitchen is in the center. And it is in a dark space, you know, and there's no natural light. So, you know, like you can't like sit at the the sink while you're doing dishes and look out and, you know, see the kids playing in the meadow or anything like that. You know, none of that is there. But what's interesting about like that house is it's got this amazing skylight that brings in all of this natural light. So it feels light and airy in there, but also still feeling separate and kind of almost dark in a way. Mm. And, and in a way, that's sort of the way that the kitchen in Falling Water felt, but it was, it still had such a, a high level of importance because it was at that corner ribbon window. Um, it, you know, and it was just, did you happen to like look at the, um, just look at the window and look at the hardware and look at everything, yes. you know, about that particular, yes. I just talk like, about that. Uh, so just, well, th- some of the windows were open. Um, yeah, obviously it's a, you know, I I love that those corner windows are not only just like a practically mullionless corner system, right? Like it's, it's obviously there's no structure happening there at all. It's a fully cantilevered system, but they're also operable. So it's like, it's kind of like a magic trick, right? (laughs) It's like saw the person in half and then take the two, two halves apart, right? No, no, really. This person just got sawed in half by the magician, right? Like, that's how this feels. It's like, okay, yeah, the the corner window doesn't look structural, but but oh wait, it really like that we can still yeah. <laughs> open them up, and it is completely open right there. And yeah. it, and it's it's interesting to me because from the outside, that glass column you know goes up the full height of the building of corner windows, but from the inside, it's obviously like totally separated floor to floor and the way that the floor hits the mullion system like again from the outside it's the same module of glass whatever that size was it's 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 kind of small right but it's like there's these these glass module that stacks up and all the mullions are the same size like there's no floor line that's apparent from the outside in the glass vertical section and on the inside the way that he tapered the floor to meet those tiny horizontal millions is really well done like it's it's very nice and i I also love how it it kind of that taper also helps expand the view from inside and it's it's a very small detail i mean most people probably don't even see it but if you get close to the glass and you look up you can Mm -hmm. see all of that coming together to make that magic happen yeah yeah (laughs) you know it's amazing that you know a lot of people who maybe not who aren't architectural or architects um, when they go there, you know, they may not see all of those things, but then if you think about it, you know, we're seeing what they see and they experience when they're just, you know, it's, Ooh, this, you know, magical, but then 
to be able to like look at all of those details even further and really just kind of be kind of like enchanted by like the littlest of things of like, you know, hinges and handles and the way windows come together and the mullion alignments and, and all of these other things are just, and if you think about it, if you, if you stepped back and you look at how those mullion alignments, you know, occur with like the, the upper cabinets and all of that other stuff. And there's just like this line that kind of like continuously moves through um, like the kitchen space and stuff. It's just like, I mean, to be able to, you know, and, and I, and, and I feel like this is a little bit, easier to accomplish and and i may be completely way off base because it's been a while since i've done residential but when you're doing like you know true custom residential and being able to like immerse yourself in the project and the details and and you know almost like you're creating this like bit of jewelry is you know seems like we are a little bit more divorced from it you know doing larger commercial projects and stuff because you know there's a lot that we're just trying to get like full integration of like all of these different things and then don't have our hand in like all of like the little teeny things and stuff. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I don't know. I guess there's a bit of jealousy there. Yes. <laughs> or totally. a, a lot, a lot of bit of a jealousy of, there. May I say a lot of jealousy, a lot of bit of jealousy. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, we didn't spend a lot of time in the kitchen, but, and it, the kitchen had obviously it, been remodeled at some point, but it is very just practical and it is made to do yeah. what it's made to do. Right. And it's not exactly, but like today, kitchens are like super glorified part of the house, right? Like they're, this is what right, you see. Right. This they, is where they, people spend all their money on their, it's, <laughs> on their it's house. The, it, the kitchen is the new family room. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, right. You, you, you cook in there, you eat. What's interesting too today, like it's such a glorified space and people rarely actually cook. I mean, our house, it is definitely the most used thing out of yeah. practicality. Again, like we've got a big family to feed, like we're going to, we're not going to eat out all the time, but Right, right. But exactly. when you're in this remote location, like this is a this is a major working part of the house, so it has to be practical. It has to be, and and again, like their Kaufman's scenario is different than mine. <laughs> they're, it's like all it's like they're like the president. I'll have this right, and they make whatever you want, um, and it's it's available right then. It's kind of like Star Trek, right? But it's it, on that in that sense, it's it's very different from what we have today in in many different respects, but. I still felt like, oh yeah, this is totally usable, totally doable, even even in today's lifestyle. It doesn't need to be the most celebrated space in the in the house like they are today. And it was still fantastic. Yeah. So at that point we had to exit the house. And um what which was fine because I I mean, I didn't I don't know what I'm missing out on on the upper two floors, but when you exit out of the house, you kind of exit back out onto the driveway from the kitchen, which is, you know, it's basically like a delivery slash service entrance, yeah, yeah, which is nice to keep it separate from the main entrance of the house. But then you kind of go around to, I don't know what side of the house to call this, but you get a view back to that main living room terrace. And you, then you realize, which you couldn't really tell when you're standing on it, unless you lean way over the edge like I did which I know a lot of people aren't comfortable with doing is that it is fully floating. There is nothing oh, yeah. under that terrace. And it's, it's just like, Whoa, <laughs> if you knew that you might not have walked out onto it, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, as a, as if, if anybody is scared of heights at all, or just, you know, uncomfortable you. with like, this is a big, heavy thing, a big, heavy thing floating in thin air, right? Like, there's just no yeah. no other way to put it. 
So I, I thought that that was cool because it, again, kind of reveals the house to you as you go through these different areas. Um, I thought that was pretty cool. So at that point, we're basically walking up the driveway and there were some other terraces, you know, and what's I, the terraces are very private because you can't see through that solid guardrail. So if somebody was up there, you know, hanging out, sunbathing, whatever, like you would never know it. And they would be, they would feel totally secure. Um, there's just no, no way to see what's going on. It's super modest. Um, so then you walk up the driveway and we went up to the, I don't know, it's, it's not really a guest house, right? It's just kind of where the servants quarters are and where the car, the cars are parked in the carports, um, which they have now turned into kind of a foundation kind of office space for, for the Frank Lloyd Wright foundation. But it's, um, obviously designed originally as carports and what a, I, as soon as we got up there, I was like, Oh, I would, t- this, I would settle for this <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> and it's right. not even the main house. I mean, it's, it's an absolutely wonderful, much smaller, much more modest house yeah. for the people yeah. who worked on the property. And I thought it was interesting because there was some budget stuff going on at that point of the project. Right. So they were like, Originally, it was supposed to be three bedrooms, ended up as one bedroom, and then the couch in the living space for that area is extra wide so that a couple of people can sleep on it, <laughs> like twin size, right? Right, right. right. But um, there's a pool up there that just is water coming out of the stream into this pool, and then uh, I thought that was that was wonderful. And the I just want to kind of focus on that cantilevered, stepped arced how how did you, how do you describe this co- this canopy cover this covered walkway oh that gosh, connects yes. it down to the house i mean yeah. it's it's got the thinnest columns on one side of this curving stepped concrete hovering like it's just there's too many words that you have to put in this thing to describe what it looks like and it, and it's amazing it's absolutely amazing to see that. Yeah. And I mean, obviously it rains there a lot. So you need to have this thing be covered, but the expense put on this covered walkway is enormous. And I think it, it really like pays off. It's, it's incredible. I don't think many people see it that way. Like it's just a covered walkway, but when you look at it kind of from an architect's point of view, it's like, how'd they pull this off? This, this exactly. would have been gone in a moment. This is a VE item. Like, Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, spare no expense, kind of a walkway cover here. That's what it was. Exactly, and in true, you know, like, um, and in a true like Frank Lloyd Wright form, I mean, you know, these the the canopy is both you know solid and perforated, um, you know, where it needs to be to like provide light. I mean, the perforation as it like you know like wraps around to you know between the two buildings. Correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, you know, it's been a while, but doesn't the the canopy start to like open up and it's a little bit more perforated as it's, you know, like over the drive? Yes, you know, yes. I didn't. We didn't get to walk down it, but we did go down to that area before this. So yes, it absolutely is kind of more open as it connects to the house with like these. It's very much more like beam like, um, yeah, but it yeah, still yeah, feels yeah. like oh, yeah. a canopy. But up here, it's pretty soft. Up at the the guest house, it's covered solid yeah as if rain only came straight down 
Uh, I, I, I really wish that you could have gone up to the the quarters, you know, like the the rooms up on the yeah, upper level. Yeah, you'd be up, you'd be able house, to see all that from like a bird's eye perspective, right? Not only would you be able to see that, but I mean, just like the little spaces, you know. There's just something interesting about the way that he can use darker woods, um, you know, or kind of like reddish cherry woods, or you know, kind of like those kind of like woods, and make them feel, you know. They're, they're they're like hard they're they're dark and they're rich but they still felt light and they still felt you know like because of the way that instead of like you know blocking windows or something you know they just come up to you know, because there's ribbon windows um you know up at the top that are you know continuous that all of these like darker richer kind of warmer spaces still feel very light filled and and there's just this interesting kind of like you know, dichotomy between like, you know, the lightness of the natural light coming in and the dark wood that just, it's just really kind of, you know, a beautiful play of, of light. And it kind of mimics the woods, you know, it mimics the, yeah, the natural yeah, surroundings yeah. in a very yeah. nice way. It, it, like Today, yeah, all this would be painted white. I think like that's yeah, exactly. the default. And yeah, there was no you know, like the, the weird kind of ochre color of a lot of the stuff. Like, I think a lot of people look at it and they're like, eh, you know, I, I don't need, I don't like that color. But, but then you think like, well, then what color would it, would you do it? And I can't think of another option, right? I can't think of it. You wouldn't go darker, but at the same time, like you don't want this thing to be blaring and stand out more than it does. Like you want it to feel integrated into, into nature. And it was, it was, very interesting to think of kind of like this beigey ochre color of a lot of the house. And it's like, to me, it, it just kind of blends into the rock, right? It, it, it's very much like that aspect of the earth. It's not trying to be the trees. It's not trying to be the sky. It's not trying to be nothing like white. It's trying to be something. And it's like, well, so what color would it be? I can't think of another one, but, but I think a lot when you, when the, the docent asks, like, what do you think of this color? People are like, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, and, and you're just like, yeah, what, what, I mean, again, going back to the comment about, you know, taming nature, he doesn't tame it, but he works with it. Mm-hmm. And the colors are, are perfect. I mean, natural, if you were yeah. to like, if you were to like, you know, grab a, a knife or something and carve away the bark of a tree, what would you see? Yeah. Probably that yellow color. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's interesting. You know, and and so, I mean, it's, you know, and I think, you know, it's so funny to listen to American architects when they, when we talk about Frank Lloyd Wright, because we almost are repulsed in a way, you know, by this notion of Frank Lloyd Wright, only because, uh, you know, every time, you know, you're, you're in architecture school and somebody's like, oh, you, you know, you're want to become an architect and become the next Frank Lloyd Wright? You're like, no, man, I want to be the next Cormac Phelan or the next Seven Troxel and the, or the only, you know, and it's just like, you almost feel somewhat like offended that people like liken you to Frank Lloyd Wright. And then you visit a project and you're like, Oh, I'll never be this good. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. You're just, just like, I mean, there is nothing that anybody can say, you know, like, okay, yes. Was he this, you know, megalomaniac, you know, ego, like beyond ego, um, ego for days kind of thing? Sure. Um, You know, do we have issues with, you know, 
you know, his personal life, sure, which, you know, why should we, though? It's his personal life, not ours. But his genius, though, I mean, go to his buildings. Look at the, te- you know, look at the testament of like, yes, you can pick it apart. All architects pick apart everybody else's buildings, including their own. You know, we oh, like yeah, nitpick totally. at everything. You see all everything. The time. It's just like, oh, my gosh. You know, I mean, I accidentally kicked through a wall, a site wall at a Frank Lloyd Wright. So it was crumbling. Well, it, <laughs> I didn't know it was crumbling. I went to jump up on to this site wall and. You know, I misjudged how far away from the site while I was and one foot, you know, like my right foot hit the top of the site wall. My left foot went right into the site wall. And at first, you know, I thought it was just going to like hit it and, you know, like like any site wall. But because the he had used this was at um, the uh, at Florida, um, uh, Florida Southern University in um uh, in this this beautiful campus in you know uh, Lakeland, I'm trying to remember where the hell it's at in Lakeland, Florida, and he used you know like beach sand as his um, you know sand for his concrete, which everybody knows you don't do that because of the high high content of salt in there that ultimately will like melt away from you know the binding. Did and, they know it then, you know, or do they just know it now? They know it. They know it now. They, I don't. I don't think he knew it then because he was very much and, a, a use. He used yeah, local he used the, materials right. like the quarry exactly. for falling water was, was yeah, right exactly. there. And, you know, it's just like, well, you know, why do I need to go and get, you know, this clean sand when I've got beach sand? Right. Well, now we know why. Tell you, tell you what, Frank, <laughs> this is why. And, you know, and, and so I, you know, you can pick apart like constructability issues and stuff like that, but you cannot pick apart the fact that one, he was a pioneer in virtually everything that we try to do today. And you can even look at things right now and you can say, we still don't build like that. Timeless. Yeah. You know, timeless nature I mean, to it. There are like these, like three it's inch. It's daring. Thick. Yeah. It's daring. It, it's, you know, like there's concrete planks in the stairs at, you know, some of these things and you look at how thin they are and you're like, how, how can you make concrete that thin? Right. Well, he did it. Yeah. Then yeah, we're not allowed then. to do it. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's just, you know, there's just some amazing stuff. And so, you know, say what we will about like, you know, like whatever aversion we have to Frank Lloyd Wright, the man, but Frank Lloyd Wright, the architect, if, if you've got an argument with it, it, it's got to probably be more stylistic. Because if you're looking at it as just a pure form of architecture, that's exactly what it is, a pure form of architecture. You know, I'm looking at pictures right now, uh, actually the Wikipedia page of Falling Water, Mm -hmm. and they've got the kind of the Falling Water path from the house to the guest house, and they just basically show that the, you know, and, and I had forgotten, I guess I hadn't really forgotten, but looking at the picture just kind of reminds me of the stepping that the, this light, delicate concrete canopy is doing as it like steps down the path mm-hmm. because, you know, it's just following the natural terrain. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it, you know, in, in a way it, it sort of is like, it also, it not only does it follow like the terrain, but it also has a very similar feel to like the, the stacked stone walls you know, just like a, a this flat plate or piece of stone 
that, you know, also kind of like, you know, does the very same thing, just follows the, you know, the, the outline of the landscape. It's so interesting how it curves and steps and it is all one piece (laughs) and it then turns into the roof of the guest house. Right. All one piece. Like it, it was one, it, it looks like it was one pour. I mean, it is all cast in place concrete. And then it turns into like this canopy up at the pool, right? Like the way that it has this wisteria vine growing all over it. And it's, it's right next to, it is the roof of the guest house that extends out and becomes like the patio cover of the guest house, but then turns into this stepping covered walkway all the way down to the main house. And it really, it's, it's amazing how integrated, how that ties everything together, right? This stepping horizontal curving thin plane that just kind of weaves and does everything that it needs to do to to serve it but also ties everything together Hmm. yeah it's it's interesting it's it's an interesting element to do all that because i think you know today it would have been separate pieces or individual canopies or whatever and and you would you would use the ground plane, the horizontal ground plane to tie everything together, right? Like you would do it through the steps and the site walls and all those things. And he did that too, but there's also this kind of just floating element. I mean, this house is very much about these floating elements. Right. Cause it, it feels so damn delicate. Yes. Cause it is. Yeah. It's crazy thin. Right. And, and, and you're right. It's just held up by like, there's, small columns you know and, and it's and there's such long spans and small columns and you just think to yourself how the hell did he do this right yeah totally. because today you know <laughs> today there would be so many additional columns and you know it's just like oh well you can't just do i mean like you know you think to yourself well where the hell is it backspanning to right and the answer is nowhere <laughs> <laughs> magic those must go pretty it, far into the ground that's all i can say <laughs> like flagpole well, style <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i i kind of have this feeling that if you were to like strip away the the concrete that make that forms the canopy itself that there's got to be a, a fully integrated like structural members that that really kind of make that that then the columns themselves are the backspan that are you know pretty deep in there or something you know you gotta hope i mean i'm just you gotta hope. i don't you know you gotta hope i mean it's <laughs> it's maybe who knows it's I mean, a, it's also interesting on those columns themselves yeah. and i don't have a detailed photo of it but uh there's like these little welded on they look like feathers from an arrow it's very mm-hmm. kind of native american feeling uh yeah little detail on the vertical columns that are holding up this this canopy kind of cool it just gives it a little bit of visual interest of a an additional detail that is unexpected and unnecessary but but just just because you know it's just really cool and let, let's um let, let's just take one more step back here we're talking about gushing over raving about a house that was designed and built in 1939. Yeah, I know. 
that's it. That's <laughs> all. Just, it's just a statement. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I know. I mean, that, and that's like when, when the kids are there and I'm just like, this was done in the late thirties. Like what yeah. you have to, yeah, it is context. And, for sure. and, th- and think about this too, though. Um, so I, I heard a story and I don't, I mean, it was interesting because I was talking to a docent and they had never heard this story. And so I don't know the validity. I heard it from a professor who their boss was a disciple of rights. And so disciple, you know, I, I don't know, you know, so again, you know, this is all just passed down through the ages and it could just totally be hearsay. But, you know, when this was being designed, the the world had, you know, somewhat given up on right. And he was kind of like a, you know, a washed up architect. And this was, you know, another one of his multiple renaissance. I mean, the guy, you know, remade himself on numerous occasions. And, you know, where they were like, oh, you're washed up. And then, you know, he comes back from the ashes kind of thing. But he, from what I understand, or this this is the story, is that, you know, they were, you know, the, the modernists were getting together and they were doing the that international congress on modern architecture i know that there is a nice french you know word you know title for it all and i'm blanking on what it is right now and probably people who are stronger in their memory of history are probably yelling you know it's this right um but so the the story goes is that as they were gathering all of these world architects for this exhibition you know, Wright was excluded from this exhibition and he was pretty pissed off about it. And as they're like, you know, gathering up, you know, like all of the, this exhibition and, you know, showing the world what modern architecture is. Basically he just kind of threw down the gauntlet and said, Oh yeah, watch this and floored everybody by basically doing the Kaufman house that even they were just like, That's amazing, you know, yeah. kind of thing. I mean, they say that there was some, you know, again, this is all hearsay, uh, but it does make for a beautiful story that, you know, basically all of these people who shunned him is like, you know, he's a has-been or, you know, he he is not, he doesn't represent modern architecture, who did this modern masterpiece in front of everyone's eyes and the world just basically said, damn. Yeah. Well, no one gets to tell you who you are, right? Like nobody else gets to yeah. decide that for you <laughs> yeah exactly so he's just like you know the world's like you know oh frank you know you're you're not you know one of these kind of architects you're just you're you're passe you're kind of whatever which you know in if you look at it stylistically all of his stuff was modern architecture before modern architecture really existed it, and for him to basically just say all right you guys think that you know i can't do this watch me mm. was just so very Frank Lloyd Wright. If that story is true, I would love for somebody to to validate it, or at least if not, I'm going to go to my grave thinking that that's a true story. And <laughs> well, but and, and it does. I, I believe my professor. Yeah, and it's. I mean, it's a U.S. National Historic Landmark for a reason, and it's well, on actually, the U.S. A, National Register of Historic Places for a reason, but it, and it's a UNESCO World Heritage Site I for a reason. Say, thank you. Like, exactly. <laughs> I was going to say, don't forget World Heritage, but yes, you're right. You're for a reason. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it and it and it holds as much prominence as many of the other architectural wonders of the world. Mm -hmm. And you know, he, he has what is it, ten buildings of his that are UNESCO World Heritage mm. buildings? I don't yeah, I haven't heard. That's amazing. You know, I mean either that's some really good lobbying and marketing or it's yeah. <laughs> well, I mean it was it was clearly all well after his you know sure. life. Right. Although if that was a thing, I'm pretty sure he would have lobbied it for it like the second that it was built. Right. Like yeah. this is a world heritage site. Yeah, yeah, Frank. We know you like it. No, I'm designing a world heritage site. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like Frank, what are you what are you talking about? It's just like just trust me, you'll appreciate it after I'm done with it. And you'll just say, Wow, Frank, you're right. That's a world heritage site. Yeah. Well uh it just goes to the testament of his ego. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Glorifying the ego. You know, there I think after after we visited the guest house we then walked back down through kind of the the back entry main entry of the house and across the bridge which was is under construction right now they're redoing the bridge that crosses the stream so um, oh, really? there's a bunch of okay. scaffolding and stuff there and it's kind of difficult to build a bridge where they have to replace the structure underneath it because they have to suspend it from above so it's like this hanging bridge right now while yeah. they while they rebuild it but then we got to walk down to that iconic lower viewpoint mm -hmm. and yeah. um that was kind of the end of our tour at that point and of course i had to shoot my photos of that um but but on the way down there you get a really interesting glimpse of the house like just through the trees and through yeah. the woods yeah. and you just see the very horizontal nature of the house and you can't see what's under the house. You can't see that it's floating. You just kind of see these horizontal lines behind the vertical trees. And it's just a very slight glimpse of kind of the real context of this house in the densely wooded forest. And it, I thought that was just kind of a, probably a, a view that people don't really notice as they're walking mm -hmm. down to that other really revealing location, but I thought it was really nice. And and that to me was kind of re revealing the true nature of what it's like to be in the house and how immersed in the forest it actually is. Because when you get down to that lower viewpoint, it's, it's just so iconic. And so it's so such an astonishing view of the, of the, the house in its setting that it, it almost feels surreal. And this one felt way more real to me. It felt like it was just, this is how it's meant to be. It's, it's right. very private, but also very integrated into the surroundings. And, and what's, what's different about it. So like, if you think about, let's start with the, the iconic view, the iconic view because of that corner glass window, even though it is very horizontal and planar, it, it, it is kind of like visually integrated into just this kind of like progression of stacked elements. But because the corner window is so prominent and so vertical, that's what you think about the, the building is that it, it's more of a vertical element than what it really is, which is just a series of horizontal planes. Mm -hmm. And so you're right when you're walking down the pathway and you're looking at it more of kind of like the, the length of the building. Yeah. Kind of the broad side seeing, of it. Yeah. Yeah. And you're seeing all of these ribbons of horizontality that are completely juxtaposed. And I can't believe I'm going all yeah. arca speaky here. Holy. Um, but go, I mean, just go with but it, it's, man. Own it. But it's, 
but you know you've got all of these the the vertical trees and everything and the horizontal planes it really kind of plays to like just the fact that there is a a, a building back there and that you know the it, it's just this interesting kind of like it's a weaving like, yeah it, exactly exactly thank you that's the word i was looking for i couldn't find but i mean it's this beautiful weaving of this of this building into the landscape mm-hmm. but it doesn't feel foreign mm-hmm. although you look at it and you see a built structure it just doesn't feel foreign yeah until you get to that iconic view and then it's like whoa and, and, a spaceship has landed you know, <laughs> ex- exactly <laughs> exactly um, perched so perfectly above a waterfall y- you know, you think about this, and you and, and so let's think about that, and then think about another building that we've kind of grown to know as a, um, and I, I can't know, I don't know the name of the actual house itself, but it is the Richard Meyer House mm-hmm. uh, in, you know, off of Lake Michigan. It's a Douglas in, House, I believe. Okay. Um, that, you know, is just perched out of the trees. And it's this stark white kind of contrast. And the thing about that, the the dynamic dynamicism of that is is really just that it's stark white and that it's contrasted against these beautiful green trees. Object in the field. Yeah. And and so whereas when you get to that iconic view where it is this object in the field of falling water it still feels so integrated to it that it just naturally looks like it was there that, you know, the river did carve out this, you know, beautiful planar kind of like, yeah, know, kind of revealed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and Something that's why that was already you know, like, there. Yeah. That kind of weird yellowish khaki color that people seem to don't like blends in perfectly well because it is just enough contrast to make it, set off set itself off of the the green trees and everything else but it's you know it's so very you know it, it it's an homage to all of the landscape and it's, it it's just warm doesn't feel foreign it's warm yeah, exactly. and it's an inviting and it's not stark or cold or foreign yeah it's uh i agree with with and it's hard to put into words um yeah and, and at the same time it's like do you really like that color no i mean <laughs> But 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 again, what else could it be? And I think it it accomplishes what it's what it's trying to accomplish. Right. Yeah, it's very purposeful. Yeah. Well, that was my visit. It was it was amazing. I would five stars would go again. Um, it <laughs> was definitely worth the the six hour drive to do it. And yeah, again, yeah. like it just made me appreciate architecture. It made me appreciate putting in the effort to experience it myself and not just look at pictures on the internet um, and not tr- try to spend too much time behind the camera lens. I really felt like, Oh yeah. yeah. It was a place like, of course I wanted to document certain things and I I'll, I'll put a gallery in the show notes. So if anybody wants to see the pictures that we're talking about, as we're talking about it, you can, you can see those in there. Um, but at this, I'm just so appreciative of this profession and it's it's heritage and it's legacy and like that we have examples like this to aspire to create ourselves as architects and to me creating spaces that hundreds of thousands of people want to go visit 
um, and that can be designated with such high designations. Like again, like forget about the person. Let's talk about the place. Yeah. And I don't mean that to be degrading to his person, but like he's not here anymore. Right. This is, this is a, a testament to what architecture can do for people. And yeah, it's expensive. Like I, I'm not saying it, like yes, there's so many ways that this conversation could go, but just taking it for what it what it is and how it presents itself and how it speaks for itself now, exactly is it's aspirational, right? It right, absolutely right. is, and like for me, like the most positive way to look at this is like that, and uh, that's how I want to think about visiting places like this. It's just what what it does for me creatively, and it's really satisfying <laughs> and you oh, go yeah. into it and you're kind of pessimistic about it. And you're like trying to have an open and it's like, yeah, it converts me every time. I don't know how it, how it works, but totally. Look, I mean, there's a, there's a small house, not too far from, you know, actually there's a handful of like Frank Lloyd Wright houses around me. Um, some of them are private residents that, you know, you just can't get to. But there is one called the Pope Leahy House that is that's right uh, very close to me. That is Keith open talked for about that tours. one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Friend of the show, and and so what's interesting about that is that you know you go there and it's such a it's a small modest house. It was moved because uh, the neighborhood that it was in in originally is now a I, I think a eight lane highway. Sweet. You know, uh, it, yeah, exactly. And so they felt they had the wherewithal to say, we want to preserve this. And so they dismantled what they needed to and basically rebuilt it, lovingly rebuilt it exactly the way it was. And so, but you go there and you look at it and you just like, you, you look at it like, okay, he built things. And they're like, well, why are things so short? You know, it's like he built things like off the shelf. And he just used like off the shelf materials and especially in his Usonian houses because they were intended to be affordable that everybody could live in, mm-hmm. although it didn't end up that way. But, you know, God, I kind of sort of wish that it might have, but maybe it wouldn't have made the, you know, all of these little jewels, you know, as special. But you go there and you just you like experience them. And, and yes, for some reason, I always tend to go to these Frank Lloyd Wright buildings with. A, some sense of pessimism but then i'm always disproven and i'm always like damn this is great mm-hmm. and even the smallest of things it's just like you know where you go into like this large living room space and then when you go to into the hallway the hallways are kind of compressed in a lower ceiling and it feels you know like you know like why are, why is it so unnecessarily like slightly uncomfortable and it's and it's because what he's doing is like building up the anticipation between all of these different like spaces that you're intended to like spend time in. Yeah. And it's just like making those rooms more special than they really making them matter. Than, yeah. Exactly. Yep. And so like if you think about it, like the the democracy of how we design spaces now where everything kind of has its own very like similar proportions and heights and things like that, just basically doesn't really necessarily create this specialness of the space yeah and so like him kind of like making you consciously aware 
of your spaces to then sit, you know, it's like the, the Portman kind of like compression and contraction kind of thing that, that aha moment, you know, he does it on such a pedestrian scale that it's, you know, kind of amazing. And it's, and it's very underplayed in, you know, the conversation when people have with Frank Lloyd Wright, that he made you aware of all of the spaces there was purpose behind every stroke of the pen that he did. And it's pretty damned impressive that people, you know, want to preserve these things, you know, to kind of like stand the test of time. And it would really sort of behoove architects to like visit them and kind of like reconnect with what, first of all, what was the passion that got you into, into architecture? Because you go to places like this and, and it's not just Frank Lloyd, right? I mean, there are other, places that you know you go into that you know make you feel like this that kind of reconnect to that passion about getting into architecture and it's just so like get off your high horses damn it is <laughs> <laughs> sort of where i'm going it's just like appreciate like the the work for what it is exactly what you said it's like it's here so you can go to it and you know you can say hmm, frank lloyd right or you can say, wow, what can this I is learn pretty amazing this? space. Yeah. What can I learn from this? Yeah. And and how does it make me feel? And right. does it give me this kind of like warm, bubbly feeling inside? Because I, I feel it does. <laughs> why, why, why are you so mad? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> why well, angry? I, I, wanna, I wanted to just maybe wrap this up and say, you know, what's interesting, you know, I just want to tag a couple, I want to tag a couple things on. First thing is, this truly is an example of linking form to function, right? It's form based yeah. on function, which is what you're talking about. Um, yes. The spaces matter. And the the exterior expression formally is based on the experiences and usefulness created from the inside out. And second thing is, because this building is so horizontal, it shows, like we put such a premium nowadays in residential especially and also in commercial on the vertical height the volume of spaces Mm -hmm. it's like Mm -hmm. nice spaces are huge and big and they're just you know you can't even change the light bulbs (laughs) they're they're so (laughs) far away and this project shows how you know this these are like modest sized spaces like we like you said earlier like the they're not enormous but they're not tiny they're they're useful they're they're made for a special for that purpose and and they're accessible by anybody like it it doesn't prioritize any one person or idea over another it's like it's it's what it needs to be and i think like the practicality in a very impractical project overall, right? Like in the over the test of time, this is an impractical project. But the practicality yeah, yeah. of its usefulness and its design cannot be denied as far as actually using the spaces and actually being able to I, I don't I don't even know what I'm actually trying to say here. But it it's just like it's not I grand. It's not grandiose from the inside out. It's grandiose from the outside in and like what they were trying to accomplish and the riskiness of it all, like building it on top of a waterfall and cantilevering these things out like tens of feet and, you know, experimental cast in place, you know, all all this stuff. But at the the same time, it's like, it feels, 
it feels very practical when you're in it, even though it's like the nicest house you've ever been in. <laughs> so, yeah. man, what a dichotomy. What a, and it just makes you think. And that, that's what I think I appreciate the most about it is, that, man, it just makes you think what's possible. And, and the element of risk that was taken by the owners as well as the architect and the builders. It's fa- it was a, just a fantastic thing to experience. And so, yeah, again, like you said, recommend, like get off. Get off the really high horse, go visit these things and and draw your own conclusions. But but most of all, like take the positive away from it as much as possible. It's it's just makes you feel it, it again reminds you why you got into being an architect. And uh and for that I'm really happy. So that's all I gotta say about this one. That's all I got to say. We'd like to thank Twin Motion for their support of this episode. You can visit twinmotion.link slash arcaspeak, or we've made it easy for you. Just click the link in the show notes to download your copy of Twin Motion for free.